Well, you got any any show before the show stuff? Any? Yeah, I know I, you. I think I've given myself laryngitis from screaming yesterday. Yeah. Yep. From uh, Steve's meat. Yep. Don't have a voice, so that's good. <laughs> that's good for podcasting. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It seemed like it was a good turnout all around, like forty ish. It was a very very uh, nice gym. Shout out to Arsenal Strength in in Huntsville for having a good gym, and uh, it was a small gym, but it was very very efficiently placed and ran for a small gym so there was plenty cool. of warm-up area which was which is rare anyway but especially in a gym that size and mm-hmm. uh it got hot that's the only only yeah. problem is it got you know there was a lot of bodies in there there was a lot of spectators oh really a couple hundred probably wow that's nuts yeah it was normally it was it's like one or two per lifter i had sweaty that. balls from <laughs> being in there all day it was very very fucking hot it's crazy Still nobody watching. It's okay. That's okay. For those of you tuning in on the Spotify or YouTube side, we are doing it on IG Live today on a whim because Zach said, hey, let's do it on IG Live. And I said, maybe it'll be good. Why not? We don't know. What do you mean? So maybe it'll be good. IG Live. Oh, yeah, maybe. Can't be bad for us. I mean, worst case scenario, it's just there and nobody listens. Best case scenario, people pop in and, and... Say interact, hi. say hi, and interact a little bit. But we're not gonna tell us we're stupid. Tell us we're stupid. Ask us what we're drinking. But yep, this is all show before the show stuff. All show before the show stuff. And uh, by the way, normal show before the show stuff is drinks. Well, how to make the drink? Right? Yeah, not necessarily what we're drinking. But to, in order to make the drink, you got to know what we're drinking. So. <laughs> got a rum old fashioned. I don't know the name of the brand of the rum. John Emerald. John Emerald. Mm-hmm. John Emerald Rum, they made it here right here in Opelika, Alabama. Yep. It's in Lee County, down around Auburn. Um, it's a weird rum, and then it's kind of like almost seasonally flavored. It tastes like licorice a little bit. Yeah. So if you're a fan of Jägermeister or Absinthe, it has a similar, it's like spice rum plus Jägermeister or something mm-hmm. is what it tastes like. But uh, we did a rum old fashioned with uh, a little bit of lime juice and uh, orange bitters and some simple syrup. And it's surprisingly fucking good because yep. neither neither one of us liked the liquor by itself. Yeah, it, it was a little rough by itself. It was very hot and it was very licorice-y. So I'm not a fan of black licorice. Uh, it kind of so it was off-putting when I took a shot of it. And I, I was like, it's "Well, also not what you expect from rum. No, not at all. That's like ordering coffee and finding out you got Dr Pepper or something. <laughs> right? Like, yeah, it's very it's just like, 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 what the fuck is this? Yeah, yeah. For real. But uh, in the old fashioned, it turned out pretty good. So I'm I'm happy with it. Just checking live. Yeah, I'm gonna do that all day. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Just peeking That's on what it. What it is. Um. So what are we talking about? Uh, recovery. Recovery. Yep. Just blanket. I've got a bunch of points. good. I got some points. rants I can go up on recovery. <laughs> yeah. The name of a of a specific strength sport that I'm currently feuding may or may not be feuding with because <laughs> they keep pissing me off. I was curious if you were and gonna how, and how they uh, are 100 percent sure that all their professional athletes are drug free. Yeah. Because you can recover at a professional level with no drugs. I mean, you can, but yeah. these guys. Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, what it is. yeah. Yeah, well, that's the show before the show. Um, I guess we can get into it. Yeah. Uh, welcome to Sip It and Rip It. I'm Zach. He's Nathan. You can find us at Coleman underscore Barbell and at Nathan Skettios and at Sip It and Rip It. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube, rate us five stars on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, wherever you want to listen, uh, please listen to us, share it. Um, 
bitch and moan about the things we say if you want to. Any type of interaction is good interaction on the internet. So here's the <laughs> thing that I, I, I would point out. They, they, I don't know if anyone can really bitch and moan about what we say other than the fact that they are extremely like linear one-minded and we are very branched off and open-minded because we don't necessarily just diss on shit like because it's different i'm not today <laughs> well, well i said weird. diss on it because it's different not yeah. because it's wrong yeah we will diss on stuff that is wrong. actively wrong but but it is what it is i guess but uh yeah so we're going to be talking about a little bit of recovery today but uh first um, if you didn't listen to the show before the show, uh, we're drinking a rum old fashioned with John Emerald rum. Um, we were spotty on the rum itself, but it's good in uh, rum old fashioned. That's all I got to say. If you want the recipe, watch the show before the show, please. Yep. And then, uh, I mean, that's pretty much it on the drink. So, I mean, we yep. get right into what we did in the gym this week. Yeah, we can. Go ahead. For me, it was uh, not much. Uh, same old, same old. This is uh, week one of my second block that I've been writing. Um, so far, my biggest takeaway is that five days a week is probably not going to work for me because I keep on missing at least one day. So it's kind of one of those things where it's, and it's always a recovery thing. It's always, I don't feel like I'm capable of going in on the usually one Wednesday. Uh, so I feel like I just have to, I'm going to try and, and see how things go at the end of this, see if I can make it if I can. We'll see. I'm also supposed to be going to QC Wellness to uh, go over my um, blood work and get my prescriptions. Uh, and that'll be on the 20th. Hell yeah. So that's about a little over a week. Hell yeah. So when I find all that stuff out, I'll be able to really determine. And once I start it, I'll be able to determine whether I'm going to be capable of doing five days a week at the rate that I'm going, or if I need to scale back or cut a day out entirely, which is what I'm leaning towards because I've always been a fan of four day weeks anyway. Um, but we'll see how it goes. Sure. It was, it was, a, I wouldn't say it was an unproductive week, but it was a week. Where, oh, well I did do one thing. I did uh, kind of isolate some issues with lower back pain in that I uh, squatted with the flat shoe instead of a heel shoe and uh, focused on ribs down and it did seem to work. Didn't have too much lower back pain, a little bit of knee pain, probably just because it's not used to it. Um, so the positioning was a little bit different, but I was also doing high bar squatting and it was like intense on my mid back. So that was a little weird. But other than that, I think we found a good a good middle point, at least a change. And there was. Oh, yeah, I did. uh did something that we both started doing just recently in the kickstand squats. Yeah. And uh, awesome. those are those are brutal. Like, even body weight, they're brutal. Yeah. Um, I've been weighting them slightly, but not as much as I'd probably like. But you, you also don't have me doing them a superset or anything. So, you know, it might be different if I wasn't uh, wasn't doing them that way. But it does seem to be a uh, better alternative to a lunge for me at the moment yeah. anyway. Um, it's also really good for knee health. So anyone who has knee issues should, should definitely should look into that. them. Yeah. I definitely noticed that my knees were kind of sore, which was really weird. After I got out of my car on the way to work, I stepped out and I was like, my knees kind of hurt. And I was yeah. like, I think that's just soreness. I feel like it's a very uh, head of the quad soreness. Like yeah. Very, very much like. Yeah. At the very yeah. top. Yep. Yeah. So, but I felt, I felt like they were very productive and I got to, you know, get good pumps from them and, mm -hmm. you know, pretty fucking effective. So uh, that's obviously a big thing for me and you right now. Cause obviously I'm not having the easiest time, uh, with hips and knees right now mm -hmm. either. So it just kind of is what it is. But um, yeah, it was deload week for me. So nothing interesting happened other than uh, 
Uh, I did get out of pocket to uh, <laughs> slap around a bench press a little yeah. bit. But uh, 365 for three on close grip, um, completely out of pocket. Uh, but I don't feel like it. Rec- I don't feel like it messed with my recovery too much because uh, generally recover pretty fast from upper body days, mm-hmm. and uh, the rest of the week was was super easy. So yeah. I mean, I got out of pocket, but I don't recommend doing that. But I did. Sorry. Yeah. One of those things. Um, I wasn't too mad about it because it was still PR, and like we 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 just saw in just like a couple weeks that there is a strength like. A uh, strength increase there. Yeah, so. for sure. By by at least uh, really like one and a half reps. Yeah. So that was really really it good. It did come off the um, chest. It was just the tricep again. As which fast is as fast as it was on. moving, you thought you'd think that fourth one was going to go though. Yeah, it's it's always man. When top you run out of it. tricep, you run out of tricep. Yeah, though. there's just That's nothing left. There's like, nothing left in it. But I can't be mad at it. And uh, I did do that a little bit, being a smart ass to Austin. He posted <laughs> 365. the 365 comp, comp grip for yep. three. He, now, he absolutely moved it a lot faster than I moved yeah. it. He dominated it. But uh, I just kind of wanted to, like, poke at him a little yeah. bit. Because he's stronger than me at everything. So <laughs> anything like, you can catch up. Yeah, yeah anything like... that I feel like I got something on, I got to pick on the boy about a little yeah. bit. So uh, it is what it is. It's okay. He deadlifts some straps. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, he still deadlifts more than me, barehanded too. At least for now, <laughs> yeah. I think I can deadlift with him right now. Yeah, I'm twenty years and like, uh, you know, a full hip replacement away from squatting with him. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> I'm probably never gonna. It's probably never gonna fucking happen. Right. <laughs> Both old. When we're all old men, maybe yeah. we'll be on the same level on squat. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. We'll see. I'm behind the whole world on squat, though. I'm pretty sure I'm gonna press more than I squat the next competition. So I don't know about that. I, th- I still think we'll hit the 500 mark. Ugh. I think we'll be there. 500 when I need seven. Well, the problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, that's. It is what it I is. needed uh, over six, and I got 560. So, you know, it's just take what you can get, you know. Yeah, I mean, we make up for it on the list we're good at, I guess. Yep. But I so desperately want to be good at squats, though, yep. because I love them so much. I would rather squat than do anything else in the gym, and they hate me so much. <laughs> they do not love me back at all. It's that toxic it relationship. It's a toxic squats. relationship. Yeah. <laughs> they just beat the fuck out of me, and I, the only thing I want to do is squats. Like yep. I'm, I get to squat tomorrow. I'm so excited. You can tell me I was squatting Tuesday, and I would be excited. It's like, like uh, I can always get up for squat day. You know, you know um, the Harley Quinn Joker relationship. Mm-hmm. Like every, everyone talks about how. They want to be Harley Quinn in the relationship until you are Harley Quinn. <laughs> and you, <laughs> you, you are Harley Quinn yeah. and, and squats are the Joker. And yeah, they just absolutely. beat the fuck out of you and they do not care about you. I am they throw you bitch. into danger every <laughs> That's day. It. That's it. <laughs> not very much fun. I'm really excited about uh, getting to impose my will on some deadlifts this block, though. Yeah. So they are deficit still, but uh, I'm looking forward to having some weight back on the bar. Yeah. So It'll be fun. I think it'll yeah, be. It'll be really fucking good super excited about that yeah um i think the deficit's going a long way with for me just in terms of uh learning a little better leg drive and stuff mm-hmm. like that so definitely uh, they've been pretty beneficial already so yeah they helped me a lot with getting uh my slack pool and uh then just being able to engage my quads at the bottom better so yeah i think it, i think it's, it's good worth, shit yeah i'm happy to be back on just a regular deadlift bar though we should have more to talk about next time we record which will likely be two weeks because if we both have plans. I'm not 100 percent sure yet, but yeah, but uh, yeah. When we, next time we record, we should be talking about some more exciting shit than deload yeah. week. I hope. Right? Yeah. Hopefully, so. y'all call us on deload week. It just is what it is. We're, <laughs> we're responsible and we're deloading. Yeah. Well, mine so was the one person watching. We're, we deloaded. Yeah, we deloaded. Congratulate us. Yeah. 
Are they still here? Do we still have the one? Yeah, we still have the one. We still got one. Oh, I don't man. know what the fuck they're thinking, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, thanks Thank for you. stopping in. Um, so, PR songs? Yeah, um, my phone is on the tripod, so I'm going to have to go like old school and I, come up with something off the top of my head because uh, <laughs> I haven't been. Uh, well, I know the name of the band, actually. It's a, new, it's a newer record for me. I said I knew the name of the band. It just like escaped me all of a sudden. Boy, that's oh yeah. The name of the band is Dealer. Dealer. Yeah, and it's uh kind of some noisy, like kind of deathcore stuff. Um, a little erratic. Um don't know the name of the EP, but it's their EP from 2021. So listen to the dealer EP from 2021. It's fucking good. <laughs> there you go. And that's gonna be my entry for PR songs for the week. Um, because I can't I can't look at my phone to tell you what it is. So yeah, I, always, I appreciate you, but right? uh, listen hey. to the band Dealer and listen to that newest EP because it fucking rules. It does. I don't have anything written. I almost always have something written down because I always find new music. But, oh, I can tell you. Um, Austrian Death Machine put out a new song. And I just, I fucking love all of their music because it's so funny. It's all gym stuff. Like uh, this whole album, I think, is going to be all gym stuff. That's either like old Arnold movies or gym stuff. Hell yeah. And this one is called Don't Be Lazy. And literally the chorus is Don't Be Le- Don't Be Lazy, re-rack your weights. And I'm just like, fuck yeah. <laughs> Please re-rack your weights. Yeah. All right, okay, so there are a couple people watching. Joey's watching now, I think. And uh who else we got? Ron Akite. Peter. I don't know if all three of them are still there or not. But uh are we all okay with the courtesy plate left on the leg press? I am. Like, I'm okay if you leave one one plate on the leg press. Like, I'm yeah. not going to shit my pants over that. Yeah. I'm like, okay. I'm not going to get mad at anybody leaving a plate on the leg press. I don't, I, I wouldn't care about that sort of thing. Um, it's just when it's multiple plates. And also, my thing is, I don't want to leave it on there because, you know, there's always going to be some random old lady who wants to do a leg press. Yeah, that's true. Like, and, and, you know, they do have the stacks that are more suitable for the old ladies. <laughs> yeah. But, Maybe grandma's like killing it and she, she might be doing to, what we're doing, man. I mean, yeah. like, I mean, you never know. So she might be wanting that leg press, but she can't, she can't do a full plate yet, but she's, you know, maybe she's, maybe she's a grandma that watches Dr. Mike and maybe. she gets that full range of motion on her, on her like leg platform press. to taint. Like, yeah. And she's just like, I can only do it for 25, but she is banging them out. You know what I mean? So, hey. I mean, that's true, yeah. But I'm not going to get mad at somebody else for leaving me the courtesy plate. I, I don't get mad at it. I just won't personally do it anymore. Like, I used to. I used to always, especially at our old gym. But now I'm like, I could probably leave it because there's very few old ladies in there and very few of them even work with machines at all or, or any sort of weight. They usually just do cardio. There's a couple of them that do, but I still I just try to be... It is the courteous thing to do. Yeah, re-rack just, your shit. Yep, re-rack your I hate it when people don't. Uh, Ron says, yeah, it's cool. Leave a plate yeah. on the leg press. But uh, I hate it when uh, when people leave shit on almost anything else. And yeah. I hate it when dumbbells don't get returned back to. that. I think that was the I, biggest point. I fucking hate seeing a dumbbell left out. Yeah. Just like. It's always something you need to. It's always in that. 35 to 75 mm-hmm. range that's like the most common weights to use. Like. And, and they're always at the top, right? And then they're always like too lazy to pick them up and put them up or they're too weak to actually do it. Like they could pull them down, but they can't put them back up. 
Like fucking do one one dumbbell at a time if you got to get the yeah. motherfucker back up there. It's just I hated our gym too because me and you were probably the only two people pressing like big dumbbells mm-hmm. at, at Hartsel. But like you go get a hundred plus and they're always like in some random corner somewhere yeah. or like in the floor or like. I got to deadlift these things. Like, right. Things were in the rack where they were supposed to be. <laughs> like I wouldn't have to deadlift this fucking dumb, you know, dumbbells up. It is what it is. Yeah. But oh well. So that's Jim and PR song. So what are we talking about today? So today I was well. This week I was listening to the RP podcast. Shout out to them because they're one of the Thanks one of for, the best podcasts. Thanks for providing our content, RP. <laughs> <laughs> well, they really just kind of gave me an idea. They were. They were talking about something something else specifically, but they were talking about recovery inside of it. And I had just a bunch of different like thoughts that I had that I was like, this would be interesting to talk about. And I got a few things um, that I want to talk about, a few bullet points that we'll cover. But first, like just the, just just get the basics out of the way and like what works with recovery and there's, yeah, well, there's what, three three huge things for recovery what is recovery first and right, there you go that's a good your time oh, oh, like immediately after until the time you go back to the gym is your recovery period yeah. so I know that sounds like a very very generic answer but that's the truth right so that includes the work that you do between then and there that includes the food you eat the water you drink the other liquids you may drink, um, any extra exercise you might do away from the weight room, whether it be cardio or, um, you know, the guys next to me in the shopping center, you know, I got the army recruiters. They have standards they have to meet, mm-hmm. uh, outside the gym. They may get tests, uh, periodically and don't know necessarily when some of those things might go down. Most of the time they have a heads up on stuff like that, but, you know, they have to be able to do their push-ups, their setups, their mile time, whatever mm-hmm. it may be, right? Like, but that recovery period is anytime, you know, basically between those things. And and we are going to talk specifically about the things you can do to maximize your recovery and getting back to the gym the next time, mm-hmm. next time you go. So, yeah. um, but uh, for the most part, we're, I can imagine we're going to be talking about hydration, nutrition, sleep, maybe supplements. Yeah. Uh, so. That, that's going to be like what works, right? Yeah, so typically everybody knows like if you don't eat, you're not going to recover because your body is just like going to be starving itself. It's going to be drawing from your like, muscles if you have no fat. And, and like, I'll be honest with you. I think, I think simply put, most gym bros probably think of food before they think of anything else. Yeah. It's probably the number. I don't know that it should be the number one most prioritized, but it probably is the number one most prioritized. Yeah. I would say <clears> probably <throat> number two. It's number two next to sleep. Yeah. Sleep um, sleep is number one. Well, you know, I'm thinking about it now, I would You put like, hydration. I would above. put hydration number one between the b- before before sleep. Before sleep and food. Yeah, absolutely. Uh we talked about it. You you've heard Joe talk about yeah. it. One of the number one reasons for injuries in the gym it's is true. dehydration. Like if you have an injury, it's gonna keep you from training. It also increases the time it's gonna require to recover. It increases your need for nutrition and hydration yeah. and everything else. So if you you know ne- neglect hydration, um, it goes downhill pretty quick. And it also, um, while definitely lack of sleep and nutri- uh, lack of nutrition is going to lend itself to weakness in the gym. Hydration can dehydration can lead up to fifteen percent strength loss in the gym. Okay, so if you think about if you think about that um, random number, but because the math's easy, if your if your max is normally a hundred pounds on something, 
That means if you go in dehydrated, you might only hit 85. Now, you take somebody like me or Nathan that have six and 700-pound deadlifts, respectively. Mm-hmm. You're talking about five times that much. You're talking about a 75-pound difference or a 90-pound difference in what we can lift just based on how much water we've drank that day. Yeah. So I do think hydration, number one in the recovery slot, and I think the rest of them, we could we could definitely argue. Yeah. You know, but I think hydration is number one. You know, I, I, that's a really good point, and I agree with you. After, after you broke it down like that, that, that makes a lot of sense, mostly just because of the getting injured thing. Like, Because if you're hurt, you can't train. You can't train. What are you doing? Well, here, here's another thing, too, and these are all these are all very individual things. If you tend to underdrink water, um, something I, I suffer from if I underdrink my water is heartburn. What's mm-hmm. heartburn going to lead to? It's going to be a tougher time getting to sleep. Yep. So now my sleep's affected. Yep. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? Like, uh, hydration also affects how your body digests your food. So if you're underhydrated, guess what else is going to suck? <laughs> your food. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you're going to be more prone to bloat, mm-hmm. dehydrated when you've eaten, like especially like processed carbs. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I know you're in a situation you have to have enough calories. You're probably having to eat some pasta or something and not just rice all the time. Like, you, a lot of us, a lot of us have to have a more nutrient dense carb than mm-hmm. rice. To make our calorie requirement for the day, mm-hmm. but if you're under if you're under drinking, you're more likely to bloat from those things right. uh, and it cause some you know gastrointestinal like discomfort. So, mm-hmm. like, I feel like hydration is the number one thing that's going to trickle down into everything else. That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> yeah. So, so what does hydration look like for each individual? I know there is a a math formula. I forget what I don't it really is. Math formula for it. But I know Joe was saying for me at two forty, it was. It was between two and three gallons. So I want to say it's probably roughly a gallon per hundred pounds. So when you think about that, like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's pretty aggressive. That's, that's probably pretty close. That's probably pretty close uh, to correct only because I know what my heart doctor has told me. And it was a gallon of water plus like three quarts of electrolytes a day, Yeah, which would put me, it would be below that slightly, mm-hmm. but put me at a gallon and three quarters a day right? of he was talking about total liquid volume, but mm-hmm. but still, I mean, that's still like a tremendous amount of liquid compared yeah. to what know, most people. The recommended we're going to drink eight bottles, of, you know, eight bottles of water a day, which is like sixty four ounces. Uh, four bottles is sixty four ounces. Yeah, so I think that's the the normal recommendation is sixty four, which is a half gallon. Which is a half gallon. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. You know, we're we're really need four times as much water as we think we do, yeah. or we're told we, we do. Uh, right, and that also depends on you know your output, you know, yeah, and you know, your your personal systems, how you're something you obviously know from talking to Joe. But electrolyte balance matters. So, like us being athletes, just drinking water could actually kill you. You can flush your electrolytes, and mm-hmm. it can be detrimental for you. So, like we absolutely have to supplement X amount of electrolytes through the day, especially when you're drinking a gallon plus because you can flush those. So, which basically is going to mean you don't have the ability to retain the water that you're drinking. Right. That's the, that's the necessity for the electrolytes. Mm -hmm. So little side point. Uh, I think Braxton just joined us. What's up Braxton? You still watching bud? What did he say? I can't Uh, see. What did Braxton say? This is awesome. Oh, thank you. Uh, Darian Harris, what's up, man? And uh, Austin Warnke, also an awesome dude. Um, so we got some people watching, but uh, but yeah, I mean, electrolyte balance matters. And uh, I, I normally, just being honest, I just normally do like Power Rate Zero, Gatorade mm-hmm. Zero. Um, uh, I will do electrolytes, um, BioLite's fine, Liquid IVs. Um, you do LMNT. Um, uh, 
on scared scarce occasions Real, when i'm really dehydrated I'll, I'll go lmnt because they're expensive lately i've actually been doing ghost hydration which i really enjoy because it's easier to drink um it's it's so that way i can drink it easily before i go to the gym another good point to that too uh i don't know if the ghost is or not but a lot of electrolyte not electrolyte but a lot of bcaa supplements have electrolytes in them now too um so you know you more bang, bang for, for your, your buck, buck yeah. yeah, absolutely, and something like that. So that's um, that's something I would probably uh, consider. But you know, you do have to have enough electrolytes. I'm of the Stan Efferdine, you know, school of thought that we should be salting our food, especially mm -hmm. you know with an iodized um, table salt and uh, pink Himalayan sea salt. Uh, that covers most of our electrolyte balances. But uh, you know, when you're talking about drinking that much fluids, you're really drinking more than you're eating, so you're probably going to be most efficient to consume your electrolytes in uh in your liquid right. so um but i mean not enough can be said about hydration man i mean our whole body our kidneys function better our liver function better um blood volume is better therefore we deliver oxygen to um every part of our body better and more efficiently when we're hydrated um that means nutrient delivery is better when we're hydrated. Literally everything that you can think of is better when you've had an optimal amount of water and electrolytes. Um, and all that being said, that's a good tie-in to the food yeah. now, I think. Because now we've talked about if you're hydrated, we can provide the correct nutrition for you. And that gets delivered that much better. And I do think... As much as I prioritize, as much as we can prioritize sleep, I do think nutrition is probably the next thing on the list. And because of, uh, and the reason being is because of how we're eating also could negatively or positively impact sleep. So That's true. Also, carb timing, uh, carbs closer to bed, you'll tend to sleep better. I, I've I've been somebody that has used the keto diet and the carnivore diet, and one of the worst parts about those things is insomnia from the lack of carbs. Mm. Uh, also, a higher fat diet like that is going to lend itself to more likely to have heartburn, right? right. Which is also going to cut into your sleep. So. My number two on this list of important things for recovery is nutrition. Yeah, and that's fine. We can just go down like that. Yeah. I, I wouldn't. I would say we're probably I, splitting hairs now. Yeah, I think sleep and recovery are, or I'm sorry, sleep and uh, nutrition are very close together in terms of how much you recover. Because think about if you, you know, maybe you slept two hours. What's up, Grady? How are you going to feel in the gym on two hours of sleep? Everybody, right. everybody feels like shit on two hours of sleep sure. in general. Um, that being said, if I ate a pound, a couple pounds of Taco Bell before I went to the gym, I'd probably feel a little sick at first, but I'd be able to get over yeah, it. Yeah, you know, really I will hard. say this too. Clinically, you're more likely to overeat if you've underslept. Yeah, that is true. It negatively affects how you perceive hunger and mm -hmm. how your body processes hunger pains and stuff like that. So if you've underslept, you're more likely to eat like shit the next day. Yeah. Um, Case in point, that that is probably the scientific reason why you go and get real drunk one night, uh, just get <laughs> fucked up, do that weird thing where you wake up at 6 a.m. and the first thing you want is Waffle House. It's because you're dehydrated and you need food and your body's trying to make up the energy deficit from your three hours of shitty sleep from getting too too fucking drunk. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's probably realistically the yeah. natural reason as to why you're going to get up and eat a bunch of a greasy fucking meal um, <laughs> because now you're in an energy deficit and you're going to need it. You need to need the food to make up for the lack of sleep uh, and the lack of hydration and everything else that you caused yourself from, you know, that party the night before. Yeah. So, I mean, big trickle down effect, but uh, 
I mean, nobody, like you said, nobody likes to go lift weights on two or three hours of sleep. Like Mm -hmm. nobody's going to be their best. Definitely. In that situation. Um, Braxton just commented something. What did he say? I'm going to get right up on it here. Bulking hack under sleep. Well, I don't know if. uh, I guess if you need to eat more, I mean, I guess there's theoretically that could be a possibility. But what we also do know is sleep's the most anabolic part of our day, and that's where repair actually happens. Right. And uh, it takes place. So you still got to maximize sleep, even if you're eating a shit ton. So, even my thought on that would be you're eating a shit ton, right? You're probably just converting all that to fat, right? Because because of cortisol levels and stuff like that being spiked. Yeah. Absolutely. So there, I mean, there has to be balance. Little interesting side note. You told me something about cortisol recently. Yeah. So um, I test low for cortisol because apparently if you were chronically stressed, this is all reflected on my blood work, and we can talk about this if you want to in more detail. But if you were chronically stressed, your body overproduces cortisol to the point that eventually your body is just like, fuck it, mm-hmm. and quits making cortisol. So I have a cortisol deficit, and what a cortisol deficit can do to you is make you less likely to put on muscle mass, uh, as well as a few other things that you know we could go into detail about if I had notes in front of me. But that cortisol is really, really important for your ability to gain muscle mass, your fight or flight system, um, how your body produces, you know, gets up for things, get downs for things, and everything like that. Everybody hears about cortisol is bad, cortisol is bad, but it does actually serve a purpose within your body. Um, that's not necessarily a negative one. Too much of it is negative. Not enough of it is very negative, too. And I'm actually having to supplement a, a medicine called Adrenomed uh, to raise my cortisol levels currently. So, But chronic stress can basically bottom your cortisol levels out so you just don't get excited about nothing anymore, yeah. basically. I honestly think I may be in that boat. You might be. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Absolutely. But so. uh, even though, like, other than, like, the new baby and stuff, I had been relatively low stress uh, up to that point. So I don't know if maybe I just have hit my head into a wall or something, or if it's something else related to my energy level, I have a hard time getting excited about just about anything. So, um, anyway, back onto the food. Um, so we, we've, we've had some, we've had a lot of discussions about food as far as like what works, what doesn't, et cetera, et cetera. What we know about food is that if you want to lose weight, you need to be in a deficit. If you want to gain weight, you need to be in a surplus. If you want to stay the weight, Eat. You get it balance. Yeah. Yeah. So as far as recovery goes, what's your number? What what would be your ideal diet for recovery? Yeah, easily digestible. So it's not going to cause you gastrointestinal stress. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep you up at night. Um, that's the reason why traditionally we've done the vertical diet. I can no longer do the vertical diet for, for other reasons. But a diet like... Like paleo plus probably because you're probably not going to get away with just paleo because we need more carbs. So mm-hmm. paleo plus would be like paleo plus the addition of uh, rice or minimally processed uh, like whole grain breads or something right. like that. Um, something like the vertical diet. Um, some uh, things that are fiber dense, nutrient dense, and also it can't just be like the paleo diet because we need it to be carb heavy enough to replace glycogen. Mm-hmm. Um, so the paleo diet's not void of carbs, but most of them are going to come via fast carbs like fruit yep. and not via rice and whole grains and stuff like that. Um, so I would say something as whole foods as possible while still including um, calorie-dense carbs to some yep. extent. 
Um, I really, really like the vertical diet because of its lack of gastrointestinal stress. And most of those carbs are going to come from white rice or sweet potato. Yeah. Um, you do get some carbs from OJ. Uh, you get some car- carbs in your dairy. Um, but I prefer something like that um, because that that added benefit of it being low digestional stress helps you sleep. It also, I don't know if you've ever deadlifted or squatted when you've been bloated. I have. Uh, but <laughs> just that feeling of having the belt around you fucking sucks when you're bloated. Most um, of the time so, I will take my belt off if I'm bloated. So like I am of the opinion I would rather perform, feel better and perform better. So I think ideal diet um, I'll be honest with you. I've changed my mind about fats quite a bit. We need enough fats to be hormonally okay, mm-hmm. and that's about all. So I think even somebody my size, I can get away with 60, 70 grams of fat. Um, I'm probably going to need 400-plus grams of carbs. I'm going to need at least 200 grams of protein. Yeah. Um, but I very much think carbs between the 40 to 50% of your daily value is uh, is ideal for for athletic for performance. athletic performance, yep. yeah, absolutely, uh, and they can come via fast carbs, slow carbs. There's a lot of reasons to eat both. I will say, faster carbs tend to cause you less gastrointestinal distress mm-hmm. than a slow carb does. Um, so, I will say this: like weighted around your workout, I would probably spring more for white rice than I would brown rice. Mm-hmm. Um, I might, you know, for dinner away from your workout, I might would spring for the sweet potato or something like that. Yeah. But like, we probably do want to weight your faster carbs around your workout, just like you'd want to weight um, the protein and carbs itself around your workout and keep out fat. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's that's my answer. Something low low gastrointestinal stress, something calorie dense enough uh, to to make sure that recovery is yeah. happening. Yeah. Um, All that sounds perfectly fine to me. I, I would just add on a little bit, maybe like. So somebody could get an idea, you know, we always say 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound per, of body weight. And then as far as your carbs go, 40 to 50%, I, w- I would agree with that. And anywhere, I think it's, I know there's a math formula for them. I, I know all these things have formulas and I know none of them. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. But fat has a formula based on body weight, how much you need for hormonal balance. I think the lowest I ever saw was like 60 is yeah. mostly around the 80, 80 gram range. And I would just say try and get that from as many healthy fats as you can. Yeah, it needs to come from meat, avocado, eggs. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, nuts. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's where I would get all of my fats from. Yeah, absolutely. And if you're if you're doing like something like the vertical diet, which I mentioned, you're gonna get most of that from your dairy and your beef. Mm-hmm. It's almost it's hard to my one drawback about the vertical diet is it's hard to keep your fat in check because he wants you to eat full fat dairy and mm-hmm. he does want you eating lean beef, but even sirloin is relatively fatty compared to even a chicken thigh. Like chicken, you know, like you might be surprised. Um, I maybe maybe now, uh, my fitness pal is wrong, but it's always been really low, close to chicken breast. I've never I, found sirloin close to chicken really? breast. No, bison. I find it pretty yeah. pretty low quite a bit. Um, but uh, you can always buy ninety six four beef. Uh, sometimes Aldi has it ninety seven three uh, to get more of that. Um, if you're if you're somebody that does use performance enhancing drugs, I might would I would might would uh, have a preference for chicken or fish only because red meat will drive your hemoglobin up, mm-hmm. um, and that does put you at higher risk for a stroke, yeah, heart disease in general. Um, that's Stop. not to say that beef is bad for you because right. it's not. It's the most nutrient dense 
It may be the most perfect thing on the planet in terms of overall health. Beef is very good for you. But if you're on PEDs, you do have to understand there's there's going to have to be some give or take. So you might would rather spring for white meat in that scenario. Um, <clears throat> little side note, just get your blood work done so you know, right? Yeah, because that's speculative. Like, you may not have the same problems I do or mm -hmm. anything else. So yeah. uh, Because some people, I mean, with, with me, <clears throat> I know my blood was thick um, years ago. They went and pulled my blood this last time, and they the, they first came in there and said, well, it, fl it, it was flowing really well, so we don't think we're going to have a problem with thickness. Then they came back and they said, well, it didn't register for this, this, and this, which is typically... Uh, uh, Indicative of in, thick blood. Yeah. Yeah. So when they said that, I was like, okay, well, it's probably still at least relatively thick. So uh, you can either donate if, if you're on PEDs and you don't feel comfortable with that because they ask you those questions. And if you don't want to lie about it, uh, you can find places, uh, doctors that will prescribe you to have bloodlet. Um, they do that at QC Wellness. So if that becomes an issue, that's what I'll have done is just bloodlet. Uh, because I'm only on a TRT dose, when you do to donate blood, they will ask you what prescriptions yes. you're on, and they, as long as your hemoglobin is in check, it's less than 17. They will allow you to donate blood if you're mm -hmm. on PEDs. Yeah, but they have to be prescribed. It, it has to be prescribed, and it also has to be within those health markers. Mm -hmm. Like you have to have less than 17 on your hemoglobin. Um, but I'm due for an old change now. If you don't give blood, you should because it really lightens you up and really helps with energy quite a bit. Yeah. So, um, especially if you have high hemoglobin, so definitely recommend doing that. Braxton made another comment. Braxton's Let's see. on it, man. What do you say, Braxton? Monster Mash is where it's at. Yeah, yeah that's a pretty big staple in my house for a long time. Yeah, Monster so, Mash. Yeah, it was it was pretty good. I can't deal with the spinach very well. That was my, mm. one of my only other drawbacks of cooked spinach tastes like fucking grass clippings, man. It's like, bad. Like, you think... <laughs> I can handle it in some pasta where it's just like garlic to death yeah. or something, but like... By itself, it's like when you scrape the underside of a lawnmower. Exactly. That's exactly, That's exactly what it tastes like. <laughs> I think I've told that to people, too. Man. It looks like it, too. It looks like it. It does. So food, high carb, enough fats to uh, maintain your hormone levels, and then enough protein to meet 0.8 to 1.2. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, 0.8 being on the low side. I will say this. If you were in a bulk, your protein requirements do go down because protein synthesis is better in a caloric surplus than it is at maintenance or below. So um, you can absolutely, and you probably should be prioritizing carbs in a bulk over your protein. Yeah. Um, you should still get your 0.8, but you know, you don't have to have, uh, you don't have to have an, an exorbitant amount of protein. Uh, now I have heard some people say that if you are on PEDs, that you need more protein, even if you are in a bulk. Well, I mean, protein synthesis is higher on PEDs. Mm -hmm. So it would stand to reason that that's not true, but right. you know, uh, there's plenty of bodybuilders out there that you know weigh sub 300 pounds and are still eating 300 plus grams of protein. Yeah. Uh, some of that though is as much to do with their caloric requirement, right? Uh, so put that in perspective, you gain 50 extra extra calories a day for every pound of muscle mass you weigh. So if you're a you know 320 pound bodybuilder and you have 170, you know pounds of skeletal muscle mass on your frame, you're going to get more calories than the fat guy that weighs 320 yeah. pounds. Uh, so that's important to note. Right. I mean, so it may just be that their caloric requirement is just that much higher and not necessarily 
directly tied to the percentage of protein, if that yeah, makes sense. That, you know what I mean? fair, fair. But also, you know, a good thing about eating protein is you know the protein is working for you. Mm-hmm. And mostly you know the carbs are working for you. And you're not just eating – when you're eating protein, you know you're not eating an empty calorie. Yeah. How do you um, feel about Mark Bell's uh, thoughts on it where protein is, quote, unquote, free? I think, well, you know, I've had clients that have used – similar methods right um like weight watchers now mm-hmm. i know everybody's just rolled their eyes when i said weight watchers <laughs> and that's fine weight watchers now lean protein is free like chicken breast is a free mm-hmm. like you don't have to count your towards your points that's pretty good because if you're if you sit down and eat 10 ounces of chicken breast in a meal you're less likely to eat you know double your serving in rice or mm-hmm. bread or or something like that right yeah. so i mean it makes you know, it makes sense and it does work for you. Mainly, I think what it is, is it basically boils down to the calories in, calories out perspective. If you're overeating protein, you're less likely to overeat fat and carbs, mm-hmm. which is going to take calories out of your diet. We know that every gram of protein has four is four calories mm-hmm. per gram. It's the same thing for carbs, actually. Um but it's nine grams of protein, uh, nine grams of calorie, uh, nine calories per gram of fat. Yeah. So if you're overeating clean carbs mm-hmm. and clean protein, you're less likely to overeat total calories. Yeah. Um, I think the American problem with carbs isn't carbs so much as the things that happen to be associated with carbs. Like we, I've said something about a dinner roll a couple of times in here, eating bread. Well, if you go sit down at Logan's and get a thing of bread, what does it come with? Cinnamon butter. Well, not that's Texas but, house, but, but it comes with butter, yeah. right? Like if you just stop, if, if somebody was to just stop at the bread, it's not necessarily a problem. You got 200 calories a roll, right? The problem is a half a jar, a half a cup cup of of the butter is another 200 calories. Yeah. So you could have had two rolls, but instead you had a roll plus butter with calories that are probably less workable and and less usable to your body yeah, than, than the So calorie. I mean that's that's the idea of overeating protein is that it's going to keep you from eating all the fat or carbs that are associated with fat. And if you've ever eaten <clears throat> 10 ounces of chicken in one sitting, you know you don't want to eat much. Yeah, that's else. a lot of fucking chicken. It's rough. I usually go seven. I was used to do one pound of meat with all of my meals. Well, well, like uncooked weight? Yeah, that was uncooked weight. I don't know what it boiled down to, cooked weight. But I always remember feeling like, man, this is a shit ton of like meat. And then when I started doing cooked weight, and I would do seven ounces, I was like... This is a lot of fucking food. Yeah. So like the most I've done is eight ounces cooked here recently. And that's still just like, whew. What's Braxton got for us now? What's up, Sam? I have made this the main topic, but have y'all gone over clean bulks versus dirty bulks? Uh, pros and cons of each. We have not talked about that, um, but we could. We could. It's, it's a little less on the side of recovery, but um well, you know, just to answer for IG. Yeah, to, to answer that, I mean, by and large, if you're bulking, uh, you're probably getting enough calories to recover. Mm-hmm. What we need to think about, and Dr. Lane talks about this, and he can specifically give you the studies. I'm sure somewhere on his page he has these, where adipose tissue, meaning fats in your diet, are more likely to store as adipose tissue. Mm-hmm. So my argument against a dirty bulk would be if you're over-consuming fat, you're more likely to put on fat. Yeah. Whereas if you're over-consuming carbs, you're more likely to have that to be usable energy for mm-hmm. you and not just stored as, as and, fat. Yeah. And the reason we in is you probably know better than – you're a biomedical dude. Like, you probably know better than we do, but – 
basically the energy systems that change these things into energy that is usable, it's a more direct line for fat to store as fat than it is for a carb to store as fat. So I would say this, a clean bulk is always going to be better than a dirty bulk just based on the fact that you're going to consume more clean carbs, more fat-free carbs, in other words, mm -hmm. and less total fat than you would if you were on a dirty bulk. That's my argument for that. The only side for the dirty bulk would potentially be it's easier to eat more food, so it's easier to put on that weight. Sure. That being said, what you gain in the dirty bulk muscle-wise and the clean bulk even if it's you know more difficult and maybe you even eat less, you're probably getting more quality muscle tissue out of the clean bulk. On the side of the dirty bulk, as someone who has been uh, actually affected by it, I have such a high metabolism that's so hard to put on weight that even like a huge dirty bulk, like eating ice cream every day, like I was doing, it's hard to put on weight. Right. Now, if so, you're a hard gainer, I would. That's a really good point. I think if you're a really hard gainer. There may be some some really good benefits to a dirty bulk just based on food volume mm -hmm. because you could go order some Chinese food, absolutely tear it up, get 2,500 calories in a sitting, and still be hungry two hours later. Yep. Versus if you eat six cups of rice and 10 ounces of chicken in a meal, it's going to take you eight hours before you're ready to eat again. And then all of a sudden, you are taking away your own ability to, to gain that weight. Yep. Um, so just from a food volume perspective, there's a case for dirty bulk just because, um, just because you're going to be able to eat more calories quicker and more comfortably. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yep. So, I mean, dirty bulk, if you want to, Braxton's fit enough and smart enough that, uh, he probably knows when to add things, when to subtract things. I would probably, even in a dirty bulk, I would probably present it to a client if I was working with somebody as we're going to clean bulk Monday through Friday, one meal on Saturday, one meal on Sunday is a free meal. Fucking tear it up. Yeah. I would probably present it like that before I would just tell them to just eat what you want, eat everything in sight. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Cause we still want to have some control over the weight we gain being muscle or fat. Yeah. Ma mass moves mass, but we talked about it in a prior episode. Muscle mass moves more mass than fat mass moves. Yes. So we still want to prioritize, even as strength athletes, where it's okay for us to be a little chubby, we still want to pro uh, prioritize the gain of lean muscle mass over fat mass. And, I mean, let's just be honest. Look at the people who are winning. It's the people who look like off-season bodybuilders. Yeah, absolutely. These are the people who are winning right people now. People that are winning powerlifting meets look fit. They yeah. know that gone, we've said this before, but gone are the days of the fat powerlifter, even in heavier weight classes now. Mm -hmm. Larry Wills proved that when he broke all of Eric Lillibridge's shit at 286 in a 308 weight class. Yep. That came in 20 pounds light and still fucked everybody up. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot to consider there. I definitely think when it just comes to energy stores, you're definitely going to want to prioritize the glycogen stores you're going to get from the carbs, uh, the fact that you're going to put on more lean mass, um, Everything that goes into everything that goes into a clean bulk is still going to be preferable, uh, with the exception of food volume. Food volume is the only case for a dirty bulk. Right. So we can kind of stray away from food and go into sleep. Um, one thing that I wanted to talk about sleep. Sleep sounds really simple, right? Because it's just like you get eight hours of sleep and that's it, right? Yeah. Like that's that's the long and short of it. Just get eight hours of sleep. But that's not as not necessarily the best thing because. Let's say you got absolutely trashed and you pass out on the couch. 
all that alcohol in your system is going to make your recovery while you're sleeping absolute dog shit. Yeah. No matter how much you sleep. Quality of sleep matters. Quality of sleep matters more than volume of sleep. Um, that's that's not to say you can get one hour of quality sleep and it's the same as eight hours, but like there are some people who it's not necessarily equal. No, but but quality matters. I would say quality matters more than volume within reason, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, for for your mental capacity to, for your brain to work like it's supposed to, we have to have a minimum of like four and a half. Mm-hmm. So like for you to be able to function at a hundred percent like right. mentally, so like. I would say that if you're looking at it that way, four hours of good sleep is probably better than five hours of bad. Mm-hmm. It's probably not perfectly like just this good right. sleep's always right. always better, right? But like there's so many things we can do to improve. Stan Efferding talks about this. The word he uses is sleep hygiene. There's so many things we can do to improve sleep hygiene uh, to make it easier to get to sleep, to make it easier to stay asleep, uh, to make the sleep itself more restful. Uh, that a lot of us don't even think about and don't take advantage of. And even though he doesn't explicitly say this, but the number one on my list is a reduction in caffeine consumption. Yeah. Which, how, what is the half-life of caffeine? Is it eight hours. hours. Eight hours. So if you take, if you work out at nine in the morning, like I do, mm-hmm. and you take a 400 milligram scoop of pre-workout, what is that? By five o'clock? Mm-hmm. You still have 200 milligrams in you. Yep. That's assuming that you haven't drank an energy a drink. soda, uh, energy drink, something like that throughout the day. A supplement. So that it's has... very, very. I actually, I have lived this. I was actually, I don't know if Sam's still watching or not, but when she was still working out with Sandy in the morning, there was times where the four of us would get together and go work out in the morning. I might have two scoops of pre-workout. Mm-hmm. I was taking Total War at the time. That's 400 milligrams of scoop. I was taking 800 milligrams of caffeine at one time, even at 5 in the morning, right? By 10 in the morning, I've trained a few clients. I've trained myself. Let's go get a cup of coffee. Yep. I drink stout coffee from Starbucks. It's about 200 milligrams a shot. There's another 200, so I'm at 1,000 on the day, okay? That also resets my half-life. Yep. And before you know it, by the time I, you know, by the time I have an energy drink in the afternoon or another cup of coffee in the afternoon and a couple of sodas... All of a sudden, I've had 1,500 milligrams of caffeine, and at 9 o'clock at night, because it just kept rolling over, I still have 750 of it in my system. Of course, you're not going to fucking sleep. Yeah. Like, and, you know, we talked about this with Joe, but, like, the idea of, like, stimulus input, if you want caffeine to work for you, you have to quit using caffeine. Yeah. Getting more and more addicted to caffeine is not going to make that caffeine work better. Abstinence from caffeine is what's going to make the caffeine work. If you want 200 milli- your 200 milligram cup of coffee to work for you energy-wise, you probably don't need to be drinking six of them a day. Yeah. Have your one a day and be done. Um, that's been one of the greatest things for sleep that I've that I've done for myself. Mm-hmm. Is like limit stimulants. Like beyond a certain point in the day, stop fucking drinking it. Like you want to go to, you know, we really need to be in bed. People can argue this with me if you want to. And Braxton, I know in your situation you probably can't help it because you're up studying and stuff. We really need to be in bed by nine or 10. That's the way the body's designed. We need to be getting up at five or six. That's the way the body's designed. Like we need to be, you go to sleep when the sun goes down, you wake up and the sun rises. That's roughly what we're supposed to be doing. Right. Uh, If you're just overstimulated all the fucking time, it's going to add to anxiety, which is going to add to a lack of sleep, 
which is going to add to anxiety and your need for more caffeine <laughs> to stay. It's like this vicious cycle, man. And that was like, it probably did irreparable damage to my heart. Like after that stint in 2019, I had really, really bad mental health. And one of the things on top of being on all kind of PEDs that I specifically remember about that year was my caffeine consumption was through the roof. My rest and heart rate now is like, I'm an athlete. My rest and heart rate is like fucking 90. Right. It was never like that before that year of, Drinking 1,500 milligrams a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do that anymore. And it's still, like, fucked up, right. you know, beyond what I can think of. But, uh, I mean, the very first thing you can do for sleep hygiene is start cutting out some fucking stimulants. Yeah. One. Another good thing about and, uh, specifically sleep hygiene is setting up a routine, uh, whatever it may be, as far as, like, for me, it's always I have these three supplements I take when I go to sleep which is uh, sleep mode, which is just a bunch of like different things to help you relax and be rested. Sure. Um, I take, why am I drawing a blank? No, that... there, there's, there's two other things. That, anyway, I, I take these three things uh, before I go to sleep and I always make sure to shut everything down. I have something to eat. Well, I have something to eat, then take my supplements. And if I'm coming home from work, I'll take a shower and then it's time for bed. Like that's what that's that's my routine. Now you can have a much better routine, um, cutting off TV, wearing blue block, blue light blocking glasses, all this stuff. This is a lot of extra stuff that yeah. is, will help your sleep and give you a better sleep routine. Typically, they say like a couple hours before bed is when you should start wearing them if you're going to continue watch TV or just turn off the TV, read a book. Like there's a lot of different things you can do to get your mind ready for sleep. Sure. And then once your mind and your body are ready for sleep, that's sleep hygiene. Yeah. That's exactly what Stan's talking about. Um, caffeine reduction of blue light, um, a dark room, mm-hmm. turn lights off, read a book instead of watching TV, uh, listen to music instead of watching TV. Red light. Um, if you're going to red, red light light's good. Um, you can do all types of, uh, you know, there's different um, uh, frequency training you can do. So like white noise, pink noise, mm-hmm. stuff like that, that can help. Um, the biggest things I have found that help are a dark room mm-hmm. and turning the fucking TV off. Yeah. And, if, it and that lack of caffeine, obviously. It doesn't um, cost that much to get a uh, blackout curtains it doesn't no and uh, you know you need i think everybody needs them anyway it keeps it'll keep your room cooler too yeah which also uh a a cooler house is better sleep quality too so the hotter you are the less likely you are to sleep good um and that's uh that's really really important too but all this stuff surrounds sleep hygiene i mean we could probably spend a whole episode on this Mm -hmm. but i'll say this too as a weightlifter and this is something i've experienced firsthand you've gone on to different different methods of handling this but because we're men, we're heavier weight, we have very, very high muscle mass for a frame. I measure in the 120s. I think you measure in the 120s, too, in terms yeah, of muscle mass. Yes. Um, most of our body is skeletal muscle mass at this mm-hmm. point. Um, when you have that uptick in skeletal muscle mass, your neck gets thicker. And the thickness of your neck, um, both from fat gain and from muscle gain, is the cause of obstructive sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. Um if you're in the gym and you're in the gym regularly and you're doing it with any type of zeal at all, I would say get a sleep study done, assess whether or not you have sleep apnea. If you do, you should look into a CPAP or some of these all other alternatives. I know Nathan uses strips or something now. Um, I like the CPAP. I got used to it fine. Some people can't do that, but, uh, 
that may be the number one thing for sleep hygiene is making sure you can breathe mm-hmm. when you're asleep at night. Yeah. If you're a snorer, regardless of how much you weigh, if you snore, probably have sleep apnea. Yep. You should look into uh, doing something to remedy that. Yep. Deviated septum can also be the cause of yep. that, which has nothing to do with the thickness of your neck. No, like but, that. Um, th- so that's just more reason to yeah, go absolutely. get a sleep more study. More reason to go get a sleep study done. Um, <clears throat> if, you, if you feel... if you if you have a partner and they tell you you're snoring, just just go get a sleep study. It's worth it. Like I wish I could be used to my CPAP. I could never get the hang of it. I tried for weeks and could not. I always ended up tearing it off my face. Um, I would say, unfortunately, I did have to have the one for my mouth because my mouth would open. Uh, then I tried the the nasal strips. Noticed a big difference. Not as much snoring. Sleep's getting better. Um, so that is an alternative. It, it took me a solid. It took me a solid three months to get used to my yeah. CPAP. So much so that my insurance threatened to take it away from me. Right. Because they said I wasn't using it, and I was trying to go to sleep in it every night, and it was probably about the three or four month mark before I could get a full night of sleep in it. Right. Now I'd put that motherfucker on to take a nap. Yeah. Honest to God, like uh, the only way I fall asleep without it now is if I'm sitting up, but that's also going to help with yeah airflow, uh, and stuff. airflow and stuff. So like that. that's so, that's another thing that I do have. I have an adjustable bed frame so i can set it up at an angle it does help it actually has a mode for snoring uh that sets you up at the best angle for uh, i actually put it up a little further than that personally just because it's more comfortable to me i can't sleep reclined or i would like i can sleep in my recliner almost laying flat but not not sitting up oh Um, i can i can fall asleep on my couch like nobody's business (laughs) i've never been one to do that but uh i mean Taking advantage of, I mean, there's as there's as much things surrounding sleep as there is nutrition and hydration. There really is. Honestly, if you want a ticket to high performance really quick, the easiest one is hydration. Yeah, and it seems to be the one that least, people are least willing to do. Right, which yeah. is insane because like it's it easy. is free performance in a bottle. Like you're not going to find anything cheaper than water. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know it's incredibly, incredibly beneficial. Um. I think the best thing, you know, to recap sleep before we move on to the next thing, which is the least important, despite what most of you think, mm-hmm. recap sleep, you should look at your sleep hygiene, turn the TV off, um, do some more reading, uh, put your cell phone down, uh, get into bed earlier, try to get in bed and wake up at the same time. That sounds cheesy, but it's true. Yep. Blackout curtains, get a sleep study done, especially if you use PEDs, um, and limit stimulants. Yeah. You know? Try to try to stay away from those. If you're if you have a medical need for a stimulant like Adderall or um, uh, Vyvanse or something like that, uh, Theobromine, anything like that, by all means, you're still going to have to take it. I understand, but you should definitely work on limiting the rest of your stimulant intake to to make up for that. Um, Big Joe Sullivan quote here: "Control what you can control. Control what you can control. Absolutely. <clears throat> I will say this, and this is the only other thing I I have." In the past, and y'all have heard me talk about it on this podcast, I have in the past been a proponent of the use of marijuana to help you sleep. I no longer believe that because tied to my cortisol levels is pot has a residual effect of shutting down your fight or flight and may be partially responsible for tanking my cortisol. Mm. Um, not only will it limit performance the, in the day of in the gym because you're less likely to get up for it Um, it may actually have a negative chronic effect on your cortisol and that's only speculative but it is speculative based on real blood work Mm -hmm. those numbers have improved for me since i quit using marijuana so uh, despite it being a sleep aid i would be very very careful with things like marijuana melatonin is something i limit now Mm -hmm. i don't take it unless i absolutely have to have it i would watch how often i use marijuana 
melatonin and antihistamine, anything like that, because uh, because it can negatively affect your fight or flight system. What do those uh, last several comments say before we move on? Smart things to say. Sleeping nine to five or six to ten was a game changer for me on the sleep. Hard to maintain that during the weekends for me personally, but it helped a lot. Mm. That's fair. That's fair. Yep. So awesome. Supplements. Supplements. We can go over like just every all the supplements for recovery, not just not just drugs, but yeah, sure. I mean, supplement the top two supplements for recovery right off the top of my head, over the counter are protein and carb powder. Right. Or an electrolyte we've mm-hmm. talked about before because it helps with helps with those kind of things. Um, not performance enhancing in the sense that you're going to get an immediate benefit from it, but protein obviously is going to help you build muscle. We talked about your protein requirements. We know how much you need. It can be hard to eat it. Mm-hmm. It might be beneficial to drink it. That's pretty yeah. much the by and large on the protein. Yeah. Uh, carb powder, you can see an immediate benefit in terms of uh, performance Performance in the gym, uh, energy in the gym. Pump's going to be a little bit better, stuff like that. So there may be a case for par- carb powder, though I would prefer as a personal trainer for you something like OJ with uh, sea salt or something like that mm-hmm. in it first. Um, I will just say this. Uh for me in my current state where I'm bulking, it's an easy extra fifty carbs in a day to just throw two scoops into your in your water. Sure. That's while also you're that also is about the that's about the macro breakdown on uh two servings of Ojo too. Yeah. It's fifty to sixty carbs depending there on the brand. Go. So either which one you want to do is fine. Um neither one of them are gonna kill you. Um really, really good. Um that's pretty much the by and large on those two supplements. The next one and most obvious and the most studied is creatine monohydrate, mm-hmm. not creatine phosphate, not creatine, whatever the fuck you want to call creatine. <laughs> creatine monohydrate is the most studied supplement that we have. We know it has a direct performance benefit. We know it helps with water retention, which could aid in that hydration issue that we were talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is extremely, extremely safe. Not a whole lot to be said about that. If somebody is selling you, I know the cro- CrossFitters have pissed me off lately, so I'm just going to go on this, <laughs> on this rant. They fucking suck. Cro- CrossFitters are obsessed with this fucking bucked up, like, five-point or six-point fucking creatine that has, like, six different creatines in it, and they just do not seem to understand because they're fucking retarded that uh, the only creatine that works is creatine monohydrate. Um, creatine monohydrate is uncomfortable for people because it does tend to make you bloat. Um, and that's the reason that they don't actually want to take creatine monohydrate, but it is also the only one we know that fucking works. Creatine monohydrate should be the only creatine supplement you were taking. If you want to take it powder, pills, a flavored powder, however the hell you want to take it, doesn't matter. But creatine monohydrate works. Yep. Take it. Helps. I guess y'all want to get into the more illicit supplements now. <laughs> the more illicit, yeah. Let's let's go on. Let's go on. So um obviously any sort of uh uh, androgenic is going to be. Yeah. And even some, you know, HGH is not an androgen, yeah. um, but it is good. For peptides the- are not androgens, um, but all those things are viable and useful. This is true. Um, the, the biggest disclaimer, and y'all have heard me say that me and Nathan both say this time and time again, if hydration is not right, if sleep's not right, if nutrition's not right, you doing androgens is pissing in the fucking wind. Yep. It's not to say that they won't help a little bit, but they're not helping near as much as they could if you're not sleeping, eating, and drinking. Yeah. Period. There, there's a reason why supplements are number four on this list. It's because anabolics do not make as big of a difference as food and sleep and hydration. Period. Yeah. 
There's no amount of argument with that that you can do. You can't say, well, this worked for my friend or this worked. Food, sleep, and hydration is way better and even more anabolic than anabolics are. Yep. So you better fucking figure that out first. Because yep. um, at the point that mm-hmm. you, you start to try and replace it with all these other things is the point where you start abusing it. And mm-hmm. when you start abusing it is when you get into dangerous territory of horrible of, side effects. One of the first things that made me notice that maybe anabolics weren't all they were cracked up to be was the fact that I was on a on a stack one time of Test E, Trin E, and Masteron E. I was taking one and a half milliliters three times a week, so a half milliliter a piece three times a week. And it caused me basically to have menopause. I'd have fucking t- crazy hot flashes, wake up in the middle of the night pouring sweat, and I wouldn't sleep. Yep. At that point, it's taken most, away. If you're if it's taking away the most anabolic part of your day, then damn it, being an anabolic, you're you're fucking missing right. out on something, right? If you're too tired to fucking function because you haven't slept in several nights, that's a problem. We just talked about how you feel. I remember on that. I, I remember on that cycle. Uh, on that cycle, there was a time toward the end of it where I averaged like an hour and a half of quality sleep a night. Mm-hmm. That's not making you stronger. It's not. It's not making you bigger. It's not benefiting you in any type of way. You're just fucking torturing yourself. So all this stuff, you know, before we get too deep in it, you know, it needs to be done uh, responsibly. You need to get your blood work done. We're not doctors, so keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, But the things that benefit me now is a less less is more approach. I really, really believe in a minimal dosage of any type of anabolic you're taking. And there's a few things that have helped me more than they've helped others. I'm going to talk about it from my personal point of view. Nathan can talk about it from his Right now, currently what I'm taking is 200 milligrams of test C a week, which is my TRT dose. That's not your normal TRT dose. That's what is prescribed to me. I also take uh, Ibutamorin, which is MK677. It's a SARM, but it is a precursor to ghrelin, the hunger hormone, and a precursor, uh, precursor to HGH. The reason I'm taking that is HGH itself is a sleep aid. And I cannot, I just simply can't afford HGH. So that's the reason I have replaced it with Ibutamorin. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also take the female sex horm- hormone progesterone to help me keep me in balance. And I also take a Nastrozole, which is an estrogen blocker. Mm-hmm. Um, the progesterone is also a sleep aid. And I can tell you the progesterone and the Ibutamorin have done more for quality of sleep for me than melatonin and antihistamine, marijuana, or anything like that ever has. Um, I will also tell you that my test levels are higher now on 200 milligrams of tests than they were when I was on a thousand milligrams of trend test and an oral, um, with much, much better blood work. So when it comes to anabolics, I definitely am a, and I'm of the mindset of a less, less is more approach. I do feel like I'm in a, at a place now that if I wanted to take an additional 200 milligrams a week, um, of testosterone, that it could be plenty of performance enhancing benefits, but I'm also at a place where I'm healthier than ever. And uh, I'm also stronger than, I'm, than I've ever been on the least amount I've ever taken. Yep. So a lot to be said for that. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I mean, for me, in the past, I hadn't really done much except get personal blood work done. So I can't really say like all these things that a doctor prescribed me. I will find out on the 20th what I'm actually prescribed. Um, but I would say I felt my best typically on uh, as far as a performance enhancing dose would be like 500 tests and a couple I use of growth hormone. That's yep, when I felt my best. Growth hormone is awesome. Um, growth hormone, 
Typically for just uh, recovery reasons, you want two to three IUs a day um, before bed. Um, it, it helps you sleep. It helps your sleep recovery. Um, obviously, it's growth hormone. It's supposed to make you grow. Yeah. So make your muscles bigger. Yeah. Um, also, the risk, though, is when you start taking performance hunting doses, enlarged organs, stuff like that. So you want to be careful the amount that you take and how long you take it for. Um, it is a slow acting drug. So you do want to also keep that in mind that you won't see immediate benefits from growth hormone. You won't see the benefits until a month or two down the road of you actually taking it. So just be aware of that. It's, it's not a fast acting drug, um, but it will help your sleep and it'll help your improve your quality of life. Um, so there is reasons for it. There's reasons that, you know, all these, all these things were created with a medical reason. I did get confirmation a couple of weeks ago too, that I did, uh, after my labral tear, I did do several cycles of HGH and I did get medical confirmation that a, an injury that does not normally heal itself without surgery did in fact heal itself through the use of HGH. Yep. So HGH is a miracle drug. Very, very, it's very, very little side effects. If you're not abusing it, mm -hmm. the most I've taken is five IUs. I suggest it. Yep. Um, Braxton did just ask uh, if we saw any sleep benefits from a mild uh, cycle of testosterone. I have a very specific answer for this, but I'll let you answer. I don't recall um, getting sleep benefits from taking like a TRT dose. Um, but that being said, my sleep, uh, ever since I've got heavier has just been worse. Um, and then not having the CPAP and struggling with that. There's a lot, I couldn't really, I couldn't really give you a good answer on that from my perspective. I'll be honest with you, Braxton at a performance enhancing dose. So I'm going to say anything over 200 milligrams. Um, I personally, because your blood pressure ra raises, that also tends to raise your stress levels and your anxiety some, uh, I find it hard on more than 200 milligrams to get to sleep. I will stay asleep, though. Yeah. Um, but I do tend to be a little bit more anxious on a performance-enhancing dose than I am on a TRT dose. Yeah. So anything that raises your blood pressure and your heart rate, like testosterone does, I would be wary to say that it's going to improve sleep quality across yeah. the board. It might improve it once you're to sleep, but I know for a fact it does not help me get to sleep. Um the TRT dose is fine, but you also have to remember the TRD dose is what it takes for me to be normal. Mm -hmm. So uh, take that with a grain of salt. And like I said, we're not doctors. This is speculation. Just for me personally, uh, a performance-enhancing dose of tests has never directly helped me sleep. I will say this, as far as like going from completely off to being on 200, which is what I'm taking right now, um, just to get me through until I get my prescription— I have noticed a difference in the deepness of sleep that I have. Um, I have a watch that covers my uh, my sleep quality, and the best score that I've had since having it, since being on TRT, was a 97. And the best that I had it not on TRT was like a 70. So take that with what it is. The data from a watch isn't necessarily the most reliable, but that is a huge swing. I would say, uh, uh, honestly, you you probably have access to this as a medical student, a biomedical student. I would probably get on um, PubMed, um, NHIL, or whatever it is, uh, and I would honestly do some research on it. Like I said, my experience is on the front end, not necessarily the quality of my sleep, but just my ability to get to sleep. So it's all speculative at our at all, on our from our perspective right now. He does have some actual data that suggests otherwise. 
uh, but it's also individual to him. So, yeah. like, I was something I would definitely try to, if you have access, I would definitely try to consult PubMed over and just see what type of uh, studies are done. Or even somebody like, you know, your dad's a pharmacist. Ask him. You know, he prescribes that to people every day. So he's going to have a lot better chemical understanding of the goings on with that than me and Nathan do. So For sure. Um but um, we're not cutting the podcast short, but we are going to end in Instagram live right now just because my phone's about to die. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to get to the rest of our episode off air. So y'all have a good night. Thanks for listening. I guess we could have plugged your phone up if you brought could a charger, have. but that's all right. I didn't think about it. That's okay. So, we were on supplements. Do you have anything else to add on supplements? I think I think that was pretty pretty well covered. That was pretty well covered. Yeah, I mean, so uh, BCA supplements if you're a vegetarian or a vegan, yeah, uh, because it helps with protein synthesis. If you're a meat eater or if you supplement uh, whey or isolate protein, it probably has the correct BCAA profile mm-hmm. for you. Right. So keep those in mind. So uh, one thing that I also wanted to touch on as far as recovery, um, there's two, really two more topics that I wanted to go over. And this one is the mental side of recovery. So there's a lot of people who don't really take that into consideration uh, when they think about recovery, but you need to be taking your deloads or your um, active rest days as specifically recovery so you need to be mentally like not as stressed out one thing that this this is from the rp podcast this is where i kind of started thinking about a lot of this stuff but they mentioned that uh on your deloads or your active rest or whatever you're doing if you're replacing the stressors of your workout with something like your job work family stuff you know whatever it is that is adding stress to your life it is not giving you that same recovery that you'd be getting yeah, absolutely. otherwise I mean, because you're gonna even though you're not physically dealing with the same things it still elicits a response from your cns and your mm-hmm. sns um and your pns yeah so like all your whole nervous system is still going to be affected by stress whether it's a physical one or a mental one or mm-hmm. anything like that so it's a very that's a very very good point it goes back to something we talked about with Joe, controlling what you can control and also con- which means controlling certain inputs, right? Mm-hmm. So on deload week, you probably shouldn't be taking a bunch of pre-workout and listening to loud music. Yeah. Like you need to act like you've fucking been there. It's lightweight. Mm-hmm. Get your get your workout done, get the fuck out and yeah. go home. Right. Like um, but you know, it does, you know, extend into real life too. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, those things are harder for us to control. Especially as an entrepreneur, I have to deal with some bullshit all the time. Right. You know what I mean? There's always something I could be fucking dealing with. But even people that work for somebody else, I mean, like, you don't know what your job is going to hand you every day. Uh, those things are, there's an element of that that's a little bit outside of our control. Where I agree with them completely. Um, some stressors are just going to be there. Yeah. You know I, mean? I, I think the thing was like added stress. So, like, let's say you normally work eight hours in a day and you're like, well, I'm, if you're like, I'm not on, working out. I can work. I can work 12 today. Right. Exactly. So you're adding that extra four hours of mental stress, assuming that it's a mentally stressful job, right? If you're doing something like that's relatively easy or fun or something, you know, some people get get to do jobs that are interesting and fun, and that, like that's not as much added stress. But when you're looking at like maybe you've got a really big deadline, and you're like, well, I'm going to schedule my active rest along with this uh, huge deadline for this project that I have. 
Right. Probably not wise. Probably not. Like you're adding more. Now, maybe you you do have to get this done and either way it was going to happen. Right. But like overloading yourself is, is really the point. I think they're trying to yeah, make. Yeah, absolutely. You don't need to take on just more just because you just have because less that week. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe you're like, like with me working at the warehouse, it's like, oh, well, I'll just grab some overtime this week if it's offered and, you know, replace my workout with overtime. But you're just, you're adding stressors. You're not you're, right. like it's physical labor most of the time. Now, my job is more the mental side of things because I, I deal in quality. But like for those people who are going in there and doing the physical side of things, they're just adding more stressors. They're adding more energy output, you know. Um, so just keeping that in mind and obviously the mental capacity of things, you, you don't want to, you don't want to add mental stressors as well. Like you think about the holidays just happen. A lot of people get <coughs> mentally stressed out because they have to plan stuff. They have to cook all this stuff. And then when like, well, I'm going to take this time and it's like, well, you're not going to get the most out of it, out of your active right. recovery or your or your deload week by adding all this stuff on that week. And that being said, it may work out to the best for you, but just assuming that you're going to recover as well as if you didn't. Right. right. You know, there's some things you can put into practice. You know, my, my wife is a Yogi. She just graduated from yoga school, stuff like that. Uh, mindful meditation, stuff like that. Something mm -hmm. that the, that crowd believes in that I don't participate in necessarily myself. Uh, but maybe just like more lower key activities on those recovery times. Like, mm -hmm. <clears throat> You know, reading instead of watching TV, maybe just like taking pre-workout, maybe that's not the week that you're going to listen to your PR playlist. Mm -hmm. um, like little things like that, um, just like Joe talked about controlling inputs, uh, you don't necessarily have to, you shouldn't necessarily have to have like a real hard dick to go fucking squat 225 on your deload. Right. You know what I mean? Like it should, you know, you're, you're going, you're not, not going through the motions. You should be working to improve something always, but you know, it shouldn't be just terribly taxing mentally or physically mm -hmm. to have to think about squatting, right? you know, 40% of your one rep max, you know, you know, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so, you know, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's a lot of things to consider. It goes back to controlling what you can control and on a, on a down week, that's not supposed to be stressful. You need to do the best you can within your ability to make sure that week is down and not stressful. Mm -hmm. One interesting thing I heard not too long ago was um, like on those times when you're or just every day in general, just breathing through your nose for 15 minutes. Just like that's it. That's all you yeah, do. You don't I mean, think about anything. It's kind of like a meditative state, right? It's where you're kind of just clear headed. The only thing you're thinking about is your breathing. You just breathe in and out through your nose for 15 minutes. Both of us are fucking mouth breathers anyway and could learn to how to breathe through mm -hmm. our nose a little bit better. So I've definitely um, gotten better since I worked with Joe. Um, but I still, I, I, I feel like I swap in between depending on the situation. I feel like the CPAP was a big improvement for me because I do wear just a nose piece because mm -hmm. of the beard. Um, and that was a big, I feel like that was a big benefit for me specifically, right. to be honest with you. Um, so, you know, I can't breathe if I have my mouth open because yeah. it's just a nose piece. So um, that helped me out tremendously. Um, you know, I will say this. It's underrated, and this is something Joe believed in, but improving your cardiovascular capacity will make things less stressful for you in yep. general. So the better your heart is, the less up it is, uh, the better you're going to respond to stress. So um, taking care of yourself, um, eating a diet that's healthy enough to, that's conducive to cardio cardiovascular health but also doing enough cardio in and of itself can help reduce stress mm -hmm. now i will say this 
you probably don't need to be going and testing your 5K time on your deload week for powerlifting. <laughs> right. um, but you probably do need to be trying to get your 10,000 steps in, mm-hmm. whether that's X amount of time on the on a, on a cardio implement or uh, just to walk around walk. the park or whatever the fuck it may be, or walking a little bit, getting up one more time at work. Uh, you probably should be focused enough on being heart forward. That way you can handle more stress in the future. Yeah. So. Kind of did this out of order, but, you know, we're talking about, you know, the recovery on active rest and deload. Um, but you know, auto regulation is another form of recovery. Sure. Yeah, so, and that, and that can be used in either auto regulated in the fact that your day to day is auto regulated, your week to week, your block is auto regulated. Set, 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 you yeah. know, there's a lot of different ways to look at it. Um, what do you think is the best way to auto regulate some your, your work? I think the best way, honestly, I still like programming a hard number because I still feel like 99.9% of people, um, you would be the only person I have right now that I would I would give an RPE to mm-hmm. on a main barbell movement and right. trust that you would hit an RPE correctly. Right. I think it's I think honestly, what it comes down to in terms of auto regulation is not the principle in the programming, but it's just a willingness to say. Zach has me programmed at a, a squat single at 405 today. I just simply don't have that in me. I'm going to text him and say, 365 is my cap. I did the best I could. Mm-hmm. Drop down and did my drop sets if I could. Just being honest with yourself is mm-hmm. the best form of auto regulation. That's, that's just, really fair. Just saying, because a lot of us, uh, myself included, I might get programmed a nine, and I really want that to be a nine with all my heart and go back and look at it, and it's a fucking six. Mm-hmm. There's been times I really wanted something to be a nine and going back and looked at it and it was a fucking 11. Right. You know what I mean? So like there's a degree of, I, while I would trust myself for you with, with that type of auto regulation before I would a lot of clients, um, there's just a, a degree of that that's still, there's still a fallacy in that to a degree, I guess, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Like I think if I were working with like powerlifting clients, I'm doing more online training with now than I am in person. In person, if I'm watching this person squat up to an RPE nine, I, I feel like I would trust that being with them more than, you know what I mean? But yeah. just a willingness to say, hey, man, I'm beat up. 405 isn't happening today. I'm going to take as close as I can to it within reason mm-hmm. without hurting myself and just being honest with me. Yeah. Because everything's fluid and everything changes program to program, day to day anyway in a program. I may have, a lot of the times I have the next 20 weeks planned for somebody. That doesn't mean that a single day or a single set can't change. Right. The end goal, the beginning's the same. The end goal's the same. Like we're still going to get there. The next workout might not even have to change, depending right. on unless it's an injury. You know, yeah. it might just be a bad day. But I just think the best auto regulation is just being honest with yourself and just saying, "Today I got it, and today or today I don't." And uh, I think that's uh, if we can get people, if we can get more and more people dialed into that, then it's easier and easier to trust them with an RPE mm-hmm. or a reps and reserve. Or uh, a daily max. Like, right. There's been times I've used, like, if you use any type of conjugate pr- training, we use a daily rep max. It might be find a three rep max on two board press. Well, that's all well and good, but today's two board may be different than six, you know, than six days from now's two board press. Mm-hmm. Like, you may feel better, you may feel worse, right? But there has to be a degree of auto regulation to say that's only that's what I'm going to get today. It's mm-hmm. a daily one rep max, no three rep max, not the best you've ever done, right? Mm-hmm. I think that if you can get somebody dialed in enough that they can be honest with themselves about the work that you've given them, then it's a little bit easier to cut them loose on an RPE, RIR system, a daily rep max system, mm-hmm. something like that. But I think being honest with yourself and just and being honest with your coach and being 
you had this experience with Joe. There were some days you just didn't have it. Yeah. And you got to tell him, hey, I just didn't, I just don't have it. Mm -hmm. That might save you the next time. And it may, may, may be the reason why you have it next time. Right. You know, so you have to be, uh, and it also may be the reason you stay injury free. Mm-hmm. So I think the best audit regulation is honesty. <laughs> right. No, that's that's a good you know? point. Um, one thing that I did want to touch on, because there's a lot of different ways to approach auto regulation, right? So Joe's was week to week. So he would plan next week after he got the numbers, after he saw the list. Like, okay, he was capable of this, this, and this. They looked like this, but he should be capable of this. Uh, me, I personally like three weeks on then deload, and I like it to be structured. Um relatively linear and if we run into a hiccup in the road somewhere we course correct um even if it's day-to-day rep to rep you know whatever it may be we course correct in the moment and then like see where we're at the following week stuff like that maybe it's the following block changes maybe we do some shifting around specifically talking about that um i just swapped around desi to undulate her deadlifts because she's just been getting really beat up by deadlifts. Sure. She's she's really tall for a woman, so like she's also coming off of a pregnancy. Yep. So there's a, there's a lot of things where deadlifts are just really hard for her. She was able to squat a lot easier than she was able to deadlift while she was pregnant. So sure. that squat volume stayed in there a little longer than the deadlift volume did. Sure. So she's a little bit more out of practice on deadlifts and squats. So um, she's been able to recover from her squats relatively well. Um, she's also a better deadlifter than squatter, so it's less weight, so it's easier to, you know, continue. It's easy to recover from yeah. just from that point. So when we started, we just started this block to undulate just to kind of give her some extra recovery time for her deadlifts, uh, which seems to have done really well. We'll find out specifically next week um, how well, because this week was her her low intensity deadlift day and then next week it's going to be high intensity deadlift day but you can do that there's also uh dr mike's favorite is deload when you need a deload week so it's not necessarily planned or structured or anything like that it's i'm so fatigued i can't do this anymore i have to take a deload there's times with myself if i'm in off season stuff i feel like i can go seven eight nine weeks sometimes Mm mm-hmm and I'm going to say that this is a disclaimer too. Just because you feel like it doesn't mean you shouldn't deload sooner yep. than that too. But there's times I legitimately feel like I can go seven, eight, nine weeks without deload. In season, he, Ron, you or Ron may have me deloading every four, and by week two or three, I feel like I need to deload. Yeah. I mean, it very it's a very very fluid thing, you mm-hmm. know, depending on depending on how you're thinking. So I kind of I can't disagree with Doctor Mike to mm-hmm. some extent. I mean, the problem with powerlifting and not bodybuilding though is we have a definite end goal that we have to meet. So there's right. only so many workable weeks we have mm-hmm. before we have to get on a platform. But I absolutely agree with that. Now, what you can do if you're programmed for yourself or your coach's program with you or whatever you may be, you, you need to communicate that. And be like, hey, I'm really really beat up. Can we push? Uh, you know, can we bring deload up a week? Can we push it back a week if you feel good? Whatever it may be, mm-hmm. you're probably not going to push it back. We're probably not going to buy into that, to be right. honest with you. But um, if you need to move it up, you do need to talk to them and be fluid about it. It might just be a simple case of if you're honest about it, you might just need that day. Yeah. Her undulated deadlifts is a good mm-hmm. example of that. I learned that the hard way with Ron, too. Ron said, oh, you can't recover from this. Let's undulate them. And that's something I've put in my program and in other people's program and since. You know right. what I mean? It just makes... It makes sense. I mean, that could save you the next workout. You might not even have to have a whole deload week if you're willing to come to yourself or come to your coach and say, 
this is where I'm at today, and this is we're gonna have to meet in the middle. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, I mean, I think deloads could be fluid, and I think as powerlifters, there's probably not a really great way to make them fluid all the time. Right. But on a day to day basis, even you know, maybe that's better for a powerlifter. Yeah. Makes sense. Bodybuilding, I would understand. You know, if you if you need to take a deload week, you can take it, but. It's not going to affect your ability to get on stage. It's not going to affect your ability to cut weight or mm-hmm. your conditioning or anything like that. But for us, we're probably working on a limited amount of time to put as much weight on the bar as we can. Yeah. So, um, so the answer is it depends. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's true, honestly. Yeah. Like I think from person to person and coach to coach, you're going to find different perspectives and different reasonings. I like a planned deload just because you know it's there. There's kind of like that especially if it's hard there's that mental like i get a break here yes it's like i know that if i get through this week this next week is going to be easy i'm not going to have to stress about anything and then <laughs> physically obviously you're recovering and it may suck absolute butt when you're doing the deload week because either either you're going to feel like shit and everything's going to feel heavy and you're gonna be like man i really need this deload week because everything sucks or you're going to be in there like everything feels easy why am i deloading this is stupid right. but you're still bring it back around to uh, the mental side of things, you may need that mental recovery because going hard for two to three weeks may have drained you mentally and you may not feel the effects of it immediately until you go into week six, seven, eight, and then mentally you're so beat up and drained. You're like, wow, I should have taken a deload week a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah, man. This is something we could probably talk about on and on. (laughs) Yeah. Limitless almost. But I mean, by and large, I mean, to recap this whole thing, you need to drink well, you need to sleep well, you need to eat well, and you need to supplement smart. That's correct. (laughs) Um, And then lastly, what we talked about is you need to program smart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Degree of, you know, that degree of auto-regulation, the degree of honesty that's required between you and yourself or you and your coach or you yourself and your coach. Um, is absolutely required for long-term success. And that's the reason why people, really smart people like Matt Winning have gone their whole career injury-free. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, he really likes to brag about that, and I think that's something worth bragging about. There's yeah. no shot about them, you know, to the man about that. But there's a reason why a lot of times what separates good, average, and great from elite is a person's willingness to do these things that we talked about. And what you've heard me talk about it, my pro- biggest problem is right now is my unwillingness to eat correctly mm-hmm. um, is by far one of my biggest issues. Um, if you're not willing to try to control as many factors as you can to get good at the thing that you love, then you probably just don't love it as much as you think you mm-hmm. do. Yep. You know what I mean? That's just or that or your success and it's not as important because yeah. I don't think anybody can question my love for it, but your success and it's not as important as you say it is if, yeah. uh, if you're not willing to control those things. Right. So, but most of you aren't responsible for outliers in the community. Like as coaches, me and Nathan are responsible for other people and other people's successes. And that still matters more to me than my own success. So not saying that I get to transcend that role because I am an athlete too, but I do have other people to worry about. You yourself though, as an athlete, if you aren't controlling these things and trying to control these things, you're selling yourself short. Yeah. And it's, it may boil down to a a mental capacity to do it too, because there may be some underlying issues, uh, mentally that, you know, make you go, well, even though physically you can do this thing mentally, it's like you keep being pulled away from it by something else. Outside stresses, stuff like that, something that you can't control. And those things do happen too. So, 
It is what it is. You got dad jokes? I do. My shit's about dad, but that's okay. I can handle dad jokes if you need to save your save your energy. Recover. Recover. Your battery needs to recover. Let's see what I got. Where's my saved button? There we go. Oop. By the way, y'all, I posted a hot take story to my feed earlier. <laughs> if you y'all haven't go watch it, it, and I'm I'm waiting specifically for uh, a certain group of people to watch it. Um, I'm very very excited about. So. When I was little, my parents always fed me alphabet soup, claiming that I liked it, but they were always just putting words in my mouth. (laughs) Damn. Oh, man. How do you get a country girl's attention? A country girl? Yeah. I don't know. A tractor. (laughs) That's pretty good. Uh, A book just fell on my head. I only have my shelf to blame. It's pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, my inflatable house got a puncture in it last night. Now I'm living in a flat. <laughs> oh, man. My calculator is missing the minus button. On the plus side, it still works. Uh, where do lizards go to get their uh, fallen tails fixed? The retail store. <laughs> I saw that one today. Damn. We're on the same side. That's the problem. I got three different sources now. I got three different. Dad Joke Central. Uh oh. Sometimes they post some really shitty ones that are not funny at all. Not even like bad funny. They're just like bad. So I taught my pet wolf how to meditate. Yeah. Now he's a werewolf. <laughs> uh. Uh, man walks into a psychiatric psychiatrist's office wearing nothing but plastic wrap. The psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. I don't know why I've been trying to say that wrong the whole time. Psychiatrist. I'm just going to start this one all over. A man walks into a psychiatrist's office wearing nothing but plastic wrap. The psychiatrist looks at him and says, well, clearly I can see your nuts. Damn. (laughs) Here's a good one. Uh, Went to a restaurant and ordered steak. And the waiter asked me how I liked my steak. And I said, like winning an argument with my wife. He said, ah, rare it is. (laughs) (laughs) We're sorry, girls. (laughs) I got, I got, this is the last one. This is the last one. I got fired from the bank today. Okay. A woman asked me to check her balance. So I pushed her. Yeah, abuse. Let's go. Oh, man. Nothing like it. Well, guys, rate us five stars on Spotify and uh, Apple Podcasts. Um, like and subscribe on like YouTube. And subscribe, yep. Trying to think about what else. Go follow us on Instagram at Coleman underscore Barbell, at Nathan Skedio, at Sip It and Rip It. Um, Maybe we'll do another IG Live. That one seemed pretty popular. Yeah, it was. It was, it was, it was a positive thing, I think, for the most part. So no. it was fun. Um, you know. Get more and more people, anything to get more and more people to listen to be good. Yeah. So not a bad thing at all. Next time we'll have a charged cell phone so we don't have to worry about or it. Or just bring it, or plug, just it plug it in. in. Yeah. yeah. That'd probably be the smart thing to do. Yeah, it would be. Have to worry about that's, that's what we learned with the camera. Yeah. Just keep, that, keep that bitch plugged yeah. in. Yeah. It didn't have a, uh, it didn't have an outlet, so I had to buy a 
portable battery for it. Basically. It, it seems as though I may have made a lot of people upset about that story today. So. Oh, yeah? Yeah, That's I'm kind of excited about it. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't say anything that was untrue. <laughs> I didn't. It's so, true. I, I agree. I agree. You uh, I guess my parting message was that if you didn't watch the story, it's fine. I ain't going to recap the story, but there's certain things, there's certain fads in fitness that happen, um, and they may just be that. They may be fads, but if we're here for the health and well-being of you guys that listen, uh, for our clients, for our peers, and stuff like that, uh, those fads shouldn't always be discouraged if they're something that are going to get somebody involved in fitness and think about and, and have them start thinking about their health and have them forward thinking about what their future and stuff looks like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may call it a fad. It may be a fad. It, you know, as long as by and large at the end of that thing that that person is healthier and it's not uh, destroying them or hurting them or anything like that, if they come in on the other side, a healthier, better person, uh, be careful what you shit on. Yeah. Uh, because as health professionals, we look every day for things to make people better. And if people get a hard on for this one specific thing, and that really makes them pursue their own health and their own fitness and their own accountability and development as a person, um, don't sell that thing short because there's some power in it to somebody. So, Even though we like to pick on vegans. We do, but... Yeah, there's plenty of reason to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, ethically, I, it's something I completely understand. I mean, you know, we could go on all day, all all day about that, but there is a reason somebody's doing something like that. And uh, if it nets a healthier, smarter, more put together person, then you probably shouldn't shit on it. Yeah. So, be forward thinking, please. Y'all be good. Small little side note before we sign off. This is the first time I've I've finished my drink before you. First time ever. I don't know what's wrong with me. (laughs) All right. Bye, y'all.